I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast, we check back in with the dancing diplomat herself, the teacher teaching teachers how to teach through a hip hop inspired lens of empowerment. Asia Upchurch, lecturer on education, artist in residence, and director of the Hip Hop X Lab at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. My name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip hop. Uh, today is it's smart it's insightful the, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is is remarkable and a lot of these kids they're not going to be reading the new york times that's not how they're getting their information so hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love to friends, neighbors, supporters, and haters. Welcome back to Hip Hop Can Save America, aka the world's smartest hip hop podcast. And happy Hip Hop History Month. Now, we often talk about the intersection of hip hop and education on this show, and for good reason. It's an area that's produced a ton of receipts showing the effectiveness of merging these two worlds for the good of our young people. This was perfectly exemplified when we covered the Can't Stop Hip Hop, the Education Movement Conference at Harvard's Graduate School of Education and first heard from today's guest. And while we sometimes get a little lost in the pedagogical weeds, I'm so excited to kick it with Aisha Upchurch because not only does she expertly navigate those weeds, but her hip hop spirit is always on full display. And it's that dance and movement-inspired lens through which she views her work, approaches the world, inspires and empowers others, and sparks radical change that sits at the heart of the very concept of this show and all of my work. That idea that hip-hop can save America, and most likely, all of humanity. Aisha Upchurch, I promise you, is part of that blueprint. Now, before I kick it with Aisha, the usual quick but important rundown for first-timers and reminders for the regulars. If you're checking us out on the website from a link, you'll really want to follow the pod wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You should see a link there. It's, it's right there. No, it's, it's right there. Yeah, there it is. Just go click it. We're also followable on all the socials at Hip Hop Advocacy. We're emailable at hiphopadvocacy at gmail.com. And we are most certainly supportable. Those who know, know that this is a small, independent operation dedicated to advocating for the power of hip-hop music and culture to improve society and uplift humanity. We're not beholden to the entertainment business. 
We're not afraid to question anyone who might be using hip-hop's name in vain. And we live for episodes like this one that demonstrates how incredible hip-hop can be when placed in the right hands. Help us do this important journalistic work. Visit patreon.com slash hip-hop advocacy to support the show. Shouts to our friends that already do, including the mighty Jeremy Johnson, Squish One, Nicholas, Jesse, the band called Fuse, and everyone else helping to keep us going. As you'll hear from this and our other episodes, I believe there's a hell of a potential for hip-hop to be able to improve society and uplift humanity. As we celebrate Hip-Hop History Month, we must also question hip-hop's future and how we're going to be able to ensure that its powers are used for good. Luckily, we have a great speaker that has some of those answers and delivers a hell of a presentation on hip-hop's ability to innovate education, health and wellness, science and technology, politics and social justice, business and entrepreneurialism, and so much more. Disclaimer, that speaker is me, but it's still very true. Visit hiphopspeaker.com and let's talk about talking. And if you do nothing else, please at least subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. It's an informative, hand-curated collection of stories and news items of hip-hop-inspired innovation, inspiration, and insight. Just go to hiphopadvocacy.org slash newsletter. Now, if you forgot all of that, you can also find all of this info at hiphopadvocacy.org slash links. Now enough, let's get to it. Here's my talk with Aisha Upchurch. Aisha Upchurch, as I mentioned in the intro, we've heard from you before here on the show. Uh, you've graced us with your presence, you know, not in this format, uh, as of course I covered your fantastic conference up at Harvard a couple of years ago. We'll get into that. We'll get into everything that you've been doing since and all the things that you do, uh, hip hop, education, dance, all kinds of things. But first and foremost, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm great. You know, if I get to kick it with you and look at your dope setup and question like, what have I done wrong in my life to not have that? Uh, no, I'm great. I'm great. It's a fantastic day. It's a very nice visual, but the rest of the, the room is actually literally built out of cardboard boxes. Looks can be deceiving, but thank you. Um, it's good to see you. Uh, you're one of my favorite people, just on a personal note. So. Oh. Ditto. Now we're going to talk about some things, uh, but first, mm -hmm. before going back very recently, and one of the reasons why I said, hey, we got to talk, we got to do this. Um, tell me about your field trip. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Manny is hip to the social medias where I am <laughs> still feel like I'm trying to get my little rabbit legs to keep pace with like the giraffes of social media that have content that is always on time. But so, uh, well, I will say that uh, I didn't go to kindergarten, which I think is, is an important tidbit. Um, mm. I skipped it. Not on my own volition. Somebody saw something. What I saw was, dang, this first grade ain't fun. And so I think there's a part of me that <laughs> is trying <laughs> to remember that how people learn um, and to advocate for that is like how we prioritize how little young people learn. And so um, my graduate course um, at Harvard's Graduate School of Education on hip hop education, we took a mini field trip. I packed lunches. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there, I don't believe joy is anti-intellectual or anti-rigorous and I don't care no. what, the, what academia has to say about it. So I packed lunches for my adult students <laughs> and we walked over from where our class meets to the Loeb Music Library on Harvard's campus, where part of the classic crates collection that Ninth Wonder began when he was a Nas fellow with the 
hip hop archive um, is housed. And it is a really, I've gone before with like high school students and some graduate students a few years ago. And since there are not a ton of things that we can do with COVID protocol, as far as having folks come in, there are resources on campus that I knew the students didn't know about. And so arranged with Peter Laren, who is the liaison between the archive and the music library for us to spend some time with the actual um, four of the original um, albums that were inducted into the classic crates every year, they mm-hmm. kind of add more. And it's like rich, nerdy, fantastic, beautiful. Um, the albums that we looked at were uh, uh, Lauren Hill's Miseducation, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. And now I'm blanking. I think uh, Low in Theory, and there was another one there. But what they did was they figure out what are these classic albums, mm-hmm. and they have a team at the archive, hip hop archive, that just puts together rich liner notes, like why these samples of these songs are so classic. And so my students had a chance to physically interact with the albums and the samples of the albums and the liner notes. And so field trips for graduate students. Hey, why that's not? what I'm running my campaign on. <laughs> I think it's a winning campaign. <laughs> and naps. Everybody needs to take oh, nap. Oh, you have little cots in the bed. Ba- <laughs> uh, listen, how we treat early childhood humans is yes. actually the truth. All right. So I started with that because I never know who's listening to the show. There may be people who are deep in academia. We have a lot of, you know, academics and, and teachers and educators and such. But also, you know, I always try to, to have people who are so far removed from hip hop culture from from the academic scene you know we do call this the world's smartest hip-hop podcast uh and uh that's only because rumor has it it's actually on the syllabus at harvard's graduate school of education totally totally online Uh, Mm -hmm. which is the only reason why i could say that but i think the way you approach teaching about teaching is super eclectic but it 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 ties into the 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 hip-hop mindset of doing anything it's a little bit outside of that box but it taps into such fundamental, you know, feelings and emotions and thoughts. And you just mentioned like, you know, hearkening back to young people and hip hop being that sort of young youth minded culture. All of these things I think are interesting to people who obviously have a misconception about hip hop right out of the gate mm-hmm. uh, and don't understand this basic concept of hip hop education. Those words together don't, yeah. don't necessarily work for some people. Um, and I want to relitigate the whole field. Uh, but basically, <laughs> but basically at this point, what is it that you do when you say you are teaching adult students uh, hip hop education? What does that just in a nutshell mean at Harvard? No less. Yeah, I mean, OK. All right. I'm going to try to take the quick yet thorough response here. Um, I think there's a difference between an answer and response. Answers, I feel like, are these very definitive things that people can choose and get polarized in where responses are places where we can play. And so I do have an answer, but my response is this, that regardless if I were at Harvard or any other institution, and I have taught in higher ed beyond Harvard, I've been at Salem State University, Howard Community College, George, George Mason University, and I've been in the community, I've been a community educator first. That is my wheelhouse. That is my sandbox of choice. And so, and a a lot of the ways that I came to the field of teaching and learning was through community ed, through dance studios or after school programs, the quote unquote third spaces and informal spaces. And I reject that language actually, Mm. because I can say that after 
all of the degrees that I have, it is that formative stuff that I learned in the yard, on the front porch, in the playground, in the beauty salon with auntie, you know, that stuff is the stuff that that has stuck and it never shows up on a test. And so I say all of that because the way that I um, design my classes, yes, even at Harvard's Graduate School of Education is a tribute to the places and the spaces where I have felt I have three H's most held, heard and humanized. And it so happens also that as an artist, um, as a dancer, choreographer who who positions like hip hop and street dance as that like language of choice for my, for my craft that has taken me across the country, across the globe. And so I have also been in those quote unquote informal spaces with people where we don't speak the same language, but we speak in the same language. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. And so all of that actually informs how I design the class, how I design my, my, um, my, my learning community. Even in my other courses, not about hip hop, like we sit in a circle, students take turns leading exercises. And that's the things that I got from hip hop is like it displaces centralized power. And so what I am hoping to be in my most aspirational best form is a dope ass DJ in a classroom. Mm. I don't DJ. Let me first of all give all respect to my turntablism homies who killing it in a game. Indeed. But I mean metaphorically, there are things that yes, I can instruct or show to people, but I think what makes the greatest DJs is their ability to be to feel the energy in the room and to design the whole experience. So you know what record to play next, you know when to bring it back, you know when to speed it up, you know when a crowd wants that next thing, you're ready with it. Yeah. And so what I'm doing in this class is leaning into the different elements of hip hop culture as literally the frame for how I teach. So I try to like act like a DJ. There's a syllabus. And yes, you were all through it because hello, this is the greatest text ever. Mm. Okay. Podcast. We in 2021. Uh, Get out the scholarly journals all the time. Okay. Um, So I'm supposed to like dip into my crate of experience of things I've learned, things I've studied of people I'm meeting and knowing and make sure that I'm ready to have the next thing going. There are a lot of times there's a class plan and we don't do it because the spirit <laughs> is saying something else. So I'm trying right. to be, I'm trying to be a dope DJ. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so in that I'm trying, I'm hoping to model for students that regardless of the content right area, because we I have graduate students who are going to go into classroom teaching K-12, maybe science, maybe um, language and literacy, maybe civics, maybe they are school leaders, maybe they are policymakers is, I'm hoping to be the best ambassador that I can possibly be. And that's with a lot of humility and honor for hip hop culture to rep it and how I design the learning. So you can see that teaching from a hip hop lens is beautiful. It is all the things that are supposed to happen in higher ed and in K-12. And we may never even look at a single lyric of a rap song. So uh, you haven't even mentioned people you haven't even mentioned it until now. Like you mentioned seventeen right. things that are hip hop influenced, yeah. and haven't even talked about a song. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because right. yeah. a lot of the students come in. I think the first time I'll stop on this. The first uh, kind of like wake up call. The first year that I taught this course, and then it's 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 in its, in its fourth year now. Yeah. So four year ago, years ago, one of our first assignments was um I assigned them to listen to and look at. The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Fire. I erroneously <laughs> assumed everybody 
and their mama them knew that song because of the song. Manny, what I found out mm-hmm. was that only a few people knew that song because of the song. People maybe heard or thought that, you know, the Biggie song that samples that beat, right? But where I really got shooketh was when one of my graduate students said, oh, I first heard this song in Happy Feet, the movie. Cue me going, wait, am I old enough for this to be factually true? (laughs) Turns out, yes. And then also, I was like, you're not about to tell me some penguins. (laughs) (laughs) First time you talk, heard some, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder. I said, okay, we got some work to do here. Indeed. Broken ice everywhere. Uh, <laughs> my daughter will ran up like I'll be playing a song like some, you know, some throwback. And my daughter, you know, six baby girl faces uh, who uh, is quick Ooh. to tell everyone she's more famous than I am. Uh, okay. Yeah. Which is true. Uh, we'll come in and, and still say, oh, that was in, you know, and then she'll random, you know, cartoon movie. You know, so there's a lot of that going on. I'm glad you uh, set them straight. Mm-hmm. So all right, I love I love that rundown. It, it, it lets. Like I said, we didn't even talk about songs. There is that aspect of hip hop and education using, you know, uh, uh, music to connect to young people, even if the music is the young folks music that we older folk, even hip hop heads don't don't mesh with. But there's value to all that. And we've talked about that on this show a lot. But your specialty is dance. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your world is dance. And I, I want to touch on that a little bit. I want to when you said the language, it's your language of choice that you can say so many things through dance. So I want I want to give you just a little space to talk about uh, movement uh, and how yeah. you know, movement obviously moved you from being in dance and community uh, to education to higher ed. So there's a movement there. It's how you you said look at you know how you're teaching a class and movement is part of that. Mm-hmm. Let's start there because I I want to yeah. feed into that. But tell me about what dancing means to you and how you incorporate it in your world and how that gets trickled down lack of a better term, to your students and their students in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, look, I am Aisha Upchurch, fourth born of my name. (laughs) And being in that birth order, like I I say this often because this is actually the most important bio, because my mother danced and sang and my dad was like an organizer and there were always artists at the house because my three older siblings were involved in various arts and athletics the kind of communal daycare that I came up with is whatever your older siblings, cousins who ain't got no blood, the same as you, but still your cousin. <laughs> right. Where they at, you at. Right. So I actually don't know the world without dance, without music, without play, without chanting, without gathering intergenerationally. It's not that I think sometimes it's foreign to me now in academia to like hear people writing all of these papers and doing this research. And I'm like, I mean, that's just how I grew up. What was happening? I mean, I, I still remember. I, and, and like four years ago, I ran into my like first dance teacher <laughs> and I cried because I'm like, Miss Charlie, because I don't know the world without movement. It is like, I don't know the world without my first spoken language. English. So dance to me is as it's as essential to my my being and for the academics out of there out here listen, it's 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 my main epistemology, it's how I make meaning, it's how I feel connected. Because when you're the littlest and you don't know all the words, 
Let mm. your body know, figures out what to do on that break. I've known about three in a break and what that break going to do since mm. the jump. My first dance injury came from doing the WAP because they was like, go ahead, go ahead, get a little Asian and my head cranked a little too hard to the left. You know what I'm saying? And so in that space, that movement, that kinesthetic like connection with people, older brothers, siblings who maybe, I don't know if they didn't want me around or not, but I felt included. That is what movement um, has means to me. And as a, as I moved through life and pursuing like more dance study and, and performing and figuring out that my voice as a, I, oh, I thought I was going to be an architect and an author, but I think I did that. And I do that like architecting how I design learning spaces and just, and, and authoring how I put together movement and spoken word and performances. I know that we may, we all have bodies. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it's the most universal experience movement, but it's the thing that I think, um, has been so insidiously and, and, and with great nuance colonized and, and we have been tricked out of our bodies. We've been tricked out of connecting that way, making it about PE class or making it about fitness. And that's not what having an embodied human experience is like. And I think, you know, with hip hop, I know MCs that be like, I don't dance, but you know what they do because you can't help but do it. The head nod game is fierce. <laughs> and everybody right. got a two-step when the beat is right. Yeah. And it's again that sense of membership and belonging and like I got this, I feel this, and I'm feeling it with people. And so I frame movement not as the scary five-letter word dance that academia, schooling, the project of schooling and Western kind of policies and policing have made dance to be. Yeah. But I, I try to bring in my classes the fact that like moving, leaning in, not mm. in your head, just, you know, all of a sudden we all doing the electric slide when you hear Frankie Beverly and Maze before I let go. Like that is a type of calling card on a spiritual and kinesthetic sense. That is something we can all tap into. You don't need a degree to move your body. And so that's how I try to position it in my classroom. There is a video clip that I have watched no less than 500 times on YouTube. When I use it as a text, I use everything memes as text in class. <laughs> that's right. Where it's a, it's like the intermission of this dance show when the kids are dancing in a cipher. And for me, that is like the hugest like pedagogical manifestation of what good teaching, what good community looks like. Those young people know how to self-direct, lean in, pick up, and the DJ knows what to play next. And they know how to work with whatever the DJ plays next. And that is a kind of listening that doesn't start and end with like an intellectual idea of like, I hear a beat. What should happen next? Right. Dude, your hips should be moving. Okay. Right. And they moving. That's doing it. So I just try to bring people back to that. And then we can, we can tear apart like, you know, how with hip hop, everybody's hips was moving. Cause we got to like, not, you know, acknowledge this is like, Black American, Caribbean American, Latinx American youth, and what them hips do in those cultures. They don't be still, okay? So we can remove the whole like unnecessary genderizing of dance hard like a dude or don't move your hips like a lady mm. because if we think about the cultural lineage of, of hip movement, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to top rock, you gotta you gotta you gotta move that waist. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's how I try to position it and make it accessible for folks. Um, and try to help them reclaim the narrative around their moving bodies as a place of empowerment and not a place of hiding. It's brilliant. And it reminds me of, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a simple guy. 
you know, when they say when you come into the classroom as a kid, all right, everyone sit still. Like I, I you have to sit still. There's mm-hmm. a you you are you are a statue. You know, you, and you have to sit on that dot. Sit right. You know, don't move. Don't don't tap on the table. Don't do anything that you know might be anything, <laughs> but you know, uh, human. A hu- human that you that you walk in that door with and movement. I love how you say you know movement. It doesn't mean you know get up and backspin on the floor. It's it's leaning in. It's 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 a nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. You know that's so mm-hmm. important to just life. You know, learning in general. Mm-hmm. So that's valuable. That's a real physical way that you can see people interacting with each other mm-hmm. not only does it, you said it also gives you uh ability to maintain the narrative around you your body your physical being uh, i want to mm-hmm. touch on something else you've also been heralded uh the um let me get this right uh the body positive an organization uh declared that you're a b body positive trailblazer you very often uh talk about body positivity it's it's sort of a mm-hmm. It's, I don't say it's more popular these days, you know, that these, this idea, mm-hmm. but you know, even the pandemic, uh, and I said, I think I said when we, when I uh, joined you for an event, I said, I heard the word self-care, you know, more times in the past yeah. year and a half than I had for the past 10 years. So for whatever it's worth, yeah. that's not a bad thing that these things are, are more popular. They're, they're more in the zeitgeist. How does that actually tie in, not just educationally, but socially, emotionally, for young people, because we are talking about, you know, you're teaching older people to teach younger people. And it, so the, the effects are for the younger people. How, how does dance, you know, hip hop movement, all these things mm-hmm. work to improve self-esteem and, and, and the idea of body positivity? Yeah, you know, and I, I, I want to, I was very honored to receive that because I, I, I'm delighted to just feel like it's taken me a while in life to be like, oh, I'm an artist, I'm an educator, academia, community, and be like, you know, I'm not all over the place. I, 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 in, in this time, I'm like, I'm a constellation. So all the stars make sense. I work, to, they all, they all hang together on purpose. And so, you know, even in like, I have a class that I teach on embodied teaching and learning and the importance of, of movement and a reclaimed, decolonized notion of bodies and movement for teaching and learning. In the hip hop class, you know, I'm also just thinking about like, there are different pedagogical frameworks that lots of amazing scholars and academics have, have lauded and applauded. And I, when I do that, because I'm such a visual and kinesthetic learner, I'm like, when you say framework to me, I literally think of a picture frame. And I'm like, all a frame does is it tells your eye where to look, but the whole object behind it is still it. So the wall is the wall. But as soon as I put an eight and a half by 11 rectangular frame on the wall, your eye know, knows how to go, oh, that's a rectangle. I know how to see that rectangle. So what I think embodiment and hip hop education have to offer to this wall is like, I think the wall uh, in, in the education sector had better be asking, what does good schooling look like? And I think there's a difference between education and schooling because education happened in the barbershop and in the chem lab. But the whole experiment of schooling has told us what's important, what count, who's important, who counts, who doesn't. So I think with hip hop and embodiment, I'm trying to say, how do these frames help us look at this wall and go, that helps us get to what does beautiful schooling look like? That helps us get to what's beautiful teaching and learning. And what's beautiful for me, again, has to help people feel held, heard, and humanized. Because so much of formal schooling has been dehumanizing 
has had folks feeling unsafe, unheld, and unheard. And so what movement does, move education that, that's inviting people to not just come in a room, silence their bodies, silence their very diverse, nuanced ways of learning that includes kinesthetic movement and communication, that includes popular culture, i.e. hip-hop, that includes all the things that you learn from auntie them in the kitchen. When we ask people to park it on a dot, you're asking them to turn off their whole selves and act like a robot. The only robot I'm interested in is the ones that like, you know, the, the, the poppers can do. That's <laughs> right. the only one. Okay. Right. That's right. it. And so th- I think, you know, it is, I think, still confusing even to some of my colleagues at, the, at, at Harvard who still don't know about hip hop education. The more they get mm. to know me, and I'm showing them evidence of like the podcast you did on the conference, the video we had done mm-hmm. when guests come in that they're saying, oh, and I do an exercise with the students that go of all the like academic framework stuff that you all are learning about. How are you making sure this hip hop frame is on the wall with that? Where does it intersect with, you know, critical race theory? Since, you know, talk about trend buzzwords, where does it intersect with universal design for learning? Where does it intersect with all these other things? Because at the end of the day, I don't care what frame somebody uses, as long as what you're doing is trying to help people feel whole. You know what I mean? So mm. Um, mm. I think there's been such a, a detailed attack on bodies. And, and, I, and I acknowledge what happens when I and myself identify black woman body walk into spaces that are predominantly white that are ivory towers, um, where I might be the youngest or seemingly the youngest in the room, I'm very aware of how people are reading my body and their, what they ascribe onto it. I got to suit myself up to be like, yeah, if that's, your, if that's the coupon, I'm about to flip it and reverse it like Missy on you. I got your $25 academic words and I'm from Northside St. Louis. So <laughs> what you want? Which right. way you want it? And see, I know if I know, so let's go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you for breaking that down. It's very important. I, I just think that, you know, especially when we talk about hip hop, the, the focus, again, we didn't talk about, you know, songs and music until way deep. I love that it's, I just had Junius Brickhouse on. So, you know, uh, you know, the, the dance element, not to be, not to be forgotten, you know what I mean? And, but super important for so many reasons other than just, you know, learning in the traditional sense of here's some information I'm going to give you and you're going to retain it and, and, and absorb it and be able to spit it back to me on a test. It's learning how to be better citizens, better people happier with yourself and all that. And I will just say really quickly, um, It's exciting to me to have come to this work of teaching about hip hop culture, education and history as a dancer. To me, there's like a little fun subversion in there Yeah, because I'm not about to go head to head with anybody on like, I can quote all the lyrics from all the songs. That's not my ministry. Right. And I'm not going to fake, you know. No time for fake ones. Okay. <laughs> you can quote that one. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. we keep it real. We keep it authentic. And so for me, I think also because of how movement has coded my whole life, it's, I feel an obli- it's like, it's, it's special to me to be able to teach about hip hop, knowing that my kind of ticket into the world, into the culture was through the movement and how I'm going to seep that into in my class. We come in, we warming up. 
somebody leading it. There's no parking on the dot. We move right. around. There is music playing. When I have guests, I'm like, what's your intro song? We're going to make it theatrical up in here. So, and, and that comes from that dancer's world and dance performer's life. And so I don't shut it off. I think, I think just that, because. Yeah, I think it's valuable for other people who want to get into the space that you don't have to be the lyrical breakdown hip hop educator type, you know what I mean? Or, you know, that you can, you could be from these other elements or you could have these, even just the knowledge of, you know, having a great understanding of the culture. And I mean, a real, a real understanding, at least be authentic, like you said, and be a you know, participant and bring those life experiences to the table. Representation matters. And if you're the dancing type, then you're a role model. Not to mention, you know, you, you downplay your, your social media game. But, you know, when you when you got, a, you know, your professors on there doing workouts and dances on the IG and, and you know, and rocking it. And again, speaking about as you go, uh, you know, body positivity was mentioned. Breast cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're using this. As a, as a vessel of informing and educating and entertaining mm-hmm. all in the same. I mean, that's come on now. Hey, yeah. I mean, uh, my PSAs are always going to have some type of dancing to it. That's it. Um, and apparently that's on trend now. So wow. I feel like times have caught up with See, me. I've been you, dancing and talking for a minute. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> you're ahead of the game. Hey. Tell me about the actual hip hop X lab. Yeah. Tell me, you know, where it's at. Give me a little bit of rundown, past, present and future. Uh, I know that things have obviously been a little bit uh, sidetracked because of this little uh, pandemic that we had. Uh, but, yeah. but give me an idea about this initiative and, and, and where we're at. Yeah. So it's also in its fourth year and it was started, um, you know, my personal statement to get into Harvard. I was talking about hip hop. I was like, I'm not going to tuck this <laughs> under the rug. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I also knew that like there had been Speakers, Chris Emden had been at the school before. I knew that there were other parts on Harvard's campus where there were hip hop stuff things happening, but there hadn't been a place, you know, Harvard's ed school program is one year. So it's a, quite a quick revolving door. And when students do amazing things in that one year, they, they, there's no institutional memory, no institutional basket, no institutional support. And so, uh, I was like, hmm. I'm not leaving until we do something. And so <laughs> my then advisor, uh, Steve Seidel, was like, well, why don't you do something? And so I did a hip hop education cypher night one time, just having a few different hip hop educators come and like school people to like, yo, folks is out here killing it in the game and hip hop is helping them do it. Um, and then the next year I was uh, stayed on as a teaching fellow and some students came through and they did a thing. And the next year some students came through and they did a thing. And so... I was offered to invite proposing to to start a thing to collect those things and mm. keep doing a thing. And so I proposed to do some to to create a hip hop education kind of lab and the word lab is not about a space it's about um the spirit of a lab is intentional a place for experimentation like you don't get penalized for experimenting when you go into a lab. And so that's why we use the word lab and the EX is a play on experiencing and experimenting with the power of edu- hip hop and education. And so the first year we did an intergenerational classroom with high school students and graduate students. The second year we did an elective in a high school. Last year was all virtual. We did monthly programming on thematic topics. This year we are doing a little bit of both virtual and um, in-person programming. That is for really the message um, externally for the wider community is for it to be a different type of classroom for learning, right? It's not just about the courses you sign up for. It's about those other kind of, again, what am I? I am a quote unquote third space homie from the jump. 
So it's like, what do we do outside of the courses and hip hop expert does programming to spotlight different themes, um, spotlight different elements of the culture, spotlight different folks. And so um, like in a couple of weeks, we're going to do an in-person event that will be live streamed because it's hip hop history month right now, the time I'm talking to you. And so what we're going to do is have an event that just kind of shouts out the history and the evolution of hip hop at Harvard. So we're going to look at, you know, the Source magazine was started by two Harvard students in 88. We've had the Nas Jones Fellowship through the Hip Hop Archive. What does it mean when Dr. Morgan brought the archive there? The efforts that were started at the Ed School, so Hip Hop X, and then students before me who were doing things. And we've got a little bit of film that's been documenting that. There are student groups. So we're going to have performances, have a little graffiti workshop, and um, an open mic. And so we do that type of programming. And we also put on the annual conference in spring uh, where we have folks worldwide attending, presenting, performing, just having a good time to see. The, 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 the word hip hop education, right? We tackle this in my course is you have an idea of what you think that means at the beginning. And I ask students to keep diagramming it literally. What's your visual model for what you think hip hop education can look like? And it shifts from the teacher who raps about history to like, oh, you know, think of looking at folks like Matthew Morris, who's like, I show up hip hop. I'm not teaching anything but I show up hip hop to looking at folks like Dr. Patina Love, you know, Dr. Emden, uh, Lauren Lee Kelly, like all the folks that you be interviewing, we just track your, um, you basically the syllabus. Um, <laughs> and, and one of the things is to make sure students are getting out of the classroom. And so they have to interview somebody who's doing the work. And I was like, if y'all don't know where to turn, go to Twitter, hashtag hip hop ed and start messaging people directly. I don't say DM cause I'm too old for that. Or go to Manny's podcast and look at the various types of ways that this looks like. And so Hip Hop X, um, in, a, in a way, my course is like a programmatic type of offering of Hip Hop X as well. And so we, we want to get back to partnering with um, high schools. We're going to try something in the spring with the high school, um, you know, it's navigating who can be in person with who and not. And so, yeah. Kovisha, I hear you, girl, you know, <laughs> like you kind of hip hop, you keep reinventing yourself, you know, so <laughs> and part of me got to respect what you're doing, but also, can you please have a seat? You have right. been voted off. You did not win the battle. Come on. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep, but you know, you got to stay flexible and you have to stay inventive. And I think also that's why I don't flip out. You can put me in any environment and I've taught in a lot of environments. I don't panic. And I think that's because the ethos of the cipher is in my DNA. You just, you got to be ready to be there, rock with, lean in, step in, step back, get challenged, you know, get schooled, challenge somebody. And so we're going to keep being inventive right along with this very real health pandemic. Um, but we are into our programming. And if anybody out there wants to send some coin to help the efforts keep going, we are into it. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I was, you know, I've talked to a few educators over this time and, uh, you know, educators had to pivot to distance learning and doing all kinds of crazy things. And I said, well, you know what? Not for nothing, but hip hoppers kind of have a leg up on it. You know, we're kind of used to not, not going the regular way. Exactly. Being kicked out the spot, but still finding a way in. You know what I mean? Like wh mm -hmm. whether that spot is physical or metaphorical, you know, to get that seat at the table, uh, hip hoppers have always been inventive. And, and that's part of why the culture is such a beautiful source for inspiration and innovation. Real quick, we're going to wind down. This is not a real quick response. You're not going to be able to sum this one up, but I'm just curious. I respect you so much as an educator and as a 
one of the things you radical change and trying to, you know, change the landscape, better schooling, all the things that you kind of delved in today. There's a lot of us that advocate for that. Love to see that. I'd love to have my kids, you know, in a, in a less stringent educational setting than I'm, you know, that we were used to coming up all the things, but education is a weird topic nationally right now. You mentioned, you know, CRT stuff, but even to the point where, you know, these school board meetings in, you know, in the middle of nowhere are being, it just seems like there's a concerted effort to try and roll back any idea of radical thought or, or go radical in the other direction, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you feel about the future of the educational system in America, especially in the last you know, year as you see it really turning into a battleground? Yeah, it should be a battleground. Um, if we, you know, borrowing from something a coach, my coach said, if we went to the balcony level and looked at what's happening on, we went up to the floor, to the top seat to look down what happened, what's happening on the floor. It would make sense. Things should kind of be an ish show because the way that quote unquote formal schooling was designed here in the States it did what it was designed to do. And then people have been starting to wake up and oh my goodness, having the audacity to say, oh, let's stop doing that BS. <laughs> right. So the battle, there should be a battle royale happening right now. Okay. There are going to be some, some consequences are coming to bear for like this system that was not designed for everyone. Um, and folks are going to have to make some decisions as to like, what is the intention? Education is not, this is again why I think education and schooling deserve some necessary <laughs> distinction. Yes. There is no threat to education. You know, my merchandise and media platform, Dope is a Verb, Dismantling Oppression, Pushing Education, does not use the language of schooling. One, because it doesn't fit into the acronym of dope. But two, <laughs> to drive the point that education is a verb. It is what we do with information to turn it into knowledge, transformative knowledge, and that can happen anywhere. Schooling as this U.S. experiment that was tied to like an industrial complex, tied to making sure that brown folks, folks of uh, lower income did not advance. Oh, that system, that's the, that schooling system did what it was supposed to do and then we started waking up. And so I think right now, Folks who are in love with comfort, that's way too bad for you. Mm. I don't think there's a way for anybody to be comfortable. If folks are looking for a comfortable way to be on either side, either side of the line, that's not going to happen. And for those of us who have lives and practices that are deeply informed by our relationship, which is, I think people have to understand, you have to understand what is your relationship to hip hop before you go saying, I'm a hip hop educator. What's your relationship? For those of us that have a very deep, real relationship with hip hop and it informs our being and our practice, it is going to be natural that we're going to push against what was there because hip hop didn't care what was there before. And it came, it saw, it conquered, it sold out shelves. Okay. Jay-Z was in my headphones earlier. So that's all the references. Yeah. And so I say all of that to like, I'm excited that the battle is happening because the ish that was allowed to happen before mm. Um, was not. And I did well at the game of school. And I want to make this clear for folks. <laughs> I, d I can own that. I did well at the game of school. All the A's, I got them. The summa cum laude, the ropes, the cords, I got them. But I do not have a lot to show for all of that ridiculous memorization. So 
I'm even going like, yo, I didn't always want to be still. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to keep learning about these dead white men. But I played the game and I so and this the, the the leverage that I have right now is I'm here to to, to bring the ruckus. I'm just going to keep dropping all of these. Yeah, I love it. After saying before, you don't quote every quote. Now you quoting every quote. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not a hip hop man. It's all good. You, you. But um, I'm here to bring the ruckus because I am a soil agitator. I am a seed planter and a soil agitator. It's what I do for transformative change. Yeah. And so the battle is happening and I'm trying to make sure uh, the side that helps more people feel heard, held, and humanized, and that's going to be students of color and students who are not students of color. It's going to help everybody if we if we get down if we get down with the get down and and make something more beautiful happen. Well, thank you. You've given me a little bit of optimism, uh, and and that's that's you're welcome. A, I, I won't a, even charge you. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> so that leads me. I think I mean I'll ask you at the end if there's anything you need to let us know to my. Final question. I want to say penultimate, but I don't know if that's the right word. You're so smart. It's a good word. I just know it is. The right I never word. use it because I'm like, uh-uh. I don't is it know. Like penultimate, meaning the the last or most. Mm, I don't know. E, I'll find out, and I'll edit. See, I can see. I'm the editor of the show, so I get to take the mistakes <laughs> out. Nobody knows. Everyone's. He sounds so smart. I'm like, I, you know, how many times I stumble. So my my uh, ending question. <laughs> my last I'm question. Waiting. Yeah, this is one I ask a lot of folks. The idea that hip hop can save America, right? The, the 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 audacious name of this podcast. What should we think about when we think of hip hop being able to improve the lives and livelihoods and communities across the board, but again, specifically amongst those who need it the most? Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't <laughs> save her. I have to do it. Uh, I also teach like this. Yes, of course you do. So I've heard you ask people this this question. I'm like, oh, I know people always have good answers. And I'm like, oh, he's not going to ask me. OK, so I've said this before. So I am quoting myself. Hip hop on its own has a very unique power. Its superpower is it attracts everybody. There's not many things that attract everybody. OK, so that's hip hop's. If you just put it in a box and open the box. Without anybody telling you what to do, it would just attract people. It is that magnetic. In terms of hip hop's potential to be transformative for the education landscape, for our um, political landscape, and knowing that those are one and the same, <laughs> <laughs> it means the people who are interacting with hip hop and saying, I think I got something here, have done their work. Because you just can't put that magnetic, powerful element in anybody's hands and something beautiful happen, right? Like Thanos got them stones and what happened? You know what I'm saying? To, yeah, I was about to say Thanos. I'm uh, Listen, okay, I'm Marvel and I'm NBA and I'm hip hop and I love musical theater. Don't put me in a box, y'all. I'll be dancing, but I'll be doing other stuff. But so I say that like the folks that you've had on this and I feel honored to be invited is because I think we also understand hip hop's innate magnetic capability is redonkulous. And we have plenty of evidence to show that it's about who's holding it, and who's honoring it. So hip hop can be transformative. It, can, it has the potential to uh, help America from the, from the boo-boo that it has created. When people who are who are positioning it in their practice and their lives are doing so with some honor for it. 
it all boils down to the people, right? Because all we have to do is look at, I have my students do this and I'll, and I'll leave it there. I believe there is a difference between the industry and the culture. I believe there's a difference between hip hop music industry and hip hop culture, between, between the entertainment industry and hip hop culture. When you just take hip hop and you put it into the industry's hands, you, we get what we've seen we got. And that's not a mark against anybody, right. but that's to say that those are not the people who want to, they don't want to honor hip hop. My relationship with hip hop, when I hold that precious stone, I'm making sure I don't do nothing crazy like a Thanos snap with it because I'm trying to go, there's a really powerful, potential here and I'm going to hold it with honor so that we do have something transformative happen. I'm invested in the outcome, not in just being cool. And there are a lot of people who just here for some cool points. Fair enough. You know, I talk about it a lot, you know, that, that potential, you know, that potential uh, that exists. And I think there's plenty of people that have the receipts to show, you know, you know, the put that into practice. The job of some of us is to keep doing it <laughs> and the job of others mm-hmm. is to amplify and signal boost it. You obviously are one who is doing that with great honor and with uh, to great effect. Uh, I think anyone who knows you and your work would uh, testify to that, as do I. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am here to amplify and signal boost anything that you Boom. do. So Boom. That's why I love you like cooked food. I appreciate you. And I appreciate that perspective that it's not just it. Because you know what? We rehash some things sometimes and we say, well, you know, hip hop is really great because, it, you know, the youth respond to it and we know all the things. But you said, yeah, that, but the right people got to be at the helm. Mm-hmm. And that's important to keep in mind and to uh, assist in any way that we can to get people that need to be in the positions that they need to be in, in those positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of hip hop education at Harvard before, uh, and you've done a, a remarkable job of engraving it into those hallowed halls. I, I suspect that it's, it ain't going nowhere uh, now. So, shouts to you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you breaking down everything that you're into. Obviously, we could have gone on for hours. You do a lot of things, field trips and, and, and everything. I'm going to make a field trip to your studio and see your boxes in person. You are always welcome. You are always welcome. And he said, no matter where I, because, you know, I'm not even as close as I'm farther away now. I know. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But okay. So anything else that uh, I didn't cover that you want to bring up that, uh, and if not, then just do the, you know, the basic podcast thing where people can find out more, reach out, find out about the lab, find out about you personally and uh, send praise your way, send funds if they want to fund the program, uh, all that good stuff. How, How do they do it? Yeah. So if folks want to help my campaign for me to become best friends with Missy Elliott and get an Adidas sponsorship, you can find me on the web. <laughs> Those are two actual goals. But uh, no, so there are other Asia's, there are other upchurches, but I'm the only Asia upchurch on the planet. So www.asiaupchurch.com. I am Asia Dances on Instagram. Um, you can keep up with what the lab is doing. We are at Hip Hop X Lab, H-I-P-H-O-P-E-X-L-A-B. You know, we again are having virtual and in-person events to keep keep connected. And, you know, I just hope everybody have a su- has a super dope day. And if anything here was helpful for folks to feel like they can push education and stay dope, then, then that's all I got to say. And man, you know, you're the truth for real. I love you like cook food and you are an amazing human and educator. And I'm so glad that our worlds intersect. Oh, thank you very much. You flatter me. I appreciate you very much. You will be happy to know, fun fact, uh, turning one year old in December is our new puppy. 
uh, Puppy Girl Faces. I don't know if you've seen her online. Yeah. Um, her name is Mississippi Elliot Faces. I approve. <laughs> Yeah, so my daughter, my daughter names her Mississippi because it was like one of her favorite words at the time. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, it'd be really clever, that middle name. So Mississippi Elliot faces, I thought you'd dig. Come visit uh, me in Mississippi when you can. We'll do. We'll do. All right. Thank you. Keep us uh, apprised of everything you're doing. Obviously, we will let people know about the conference, uh, the programming. Obviously, you know, I have the newsletter that goes out. I always, uh, you know, big up everything you're doing. And thank you for your kind words. And thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast. I'm the creator, editor, and your host, Manny Faces. Now remember, if you're listening to this on the web, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're in all the places. Set your app to alert you to new episodes and feel free to give us a rating and review. Unless you don't like us, then don't. Be sure to sign up for our free hand-picked curated email newsletter at hiphopadvocacy.org slash newsletter. You can help support this show at patreon.com slash hiphopadvocacy. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at hiphopadvocacy. You can visit our site, hiphopadvocacy.org. You can email us your comments, your suggestions, your complaints, or praise. We really do like praise to hiphopadvocacy at gmail.com. Once again, on behalf of our associate producer, Summer, the rest of our team, and all of our wonderful supporters, we thank you for listening, following, supporting, rating, reviewing, and sharing. Oh, and this has been a Manny Faces Media production in association with the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. We'll be back soon. Y'all be safe. Peace. This is a Manny Faces Media production. Manny Faces! You sick for this one. Sick for this one. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.